The Data Reaper podcast is a companion which provides extra insight into the weekly report found at ViciousSyndicate.com. Join us for a deeper dive into the numbers to help you improve your Hearthstone game. Hello and welcome to episode 76 of the Data Reaper podcast. I'm your host, Ridiculous Hat, and I am joined by... I didn't think of a name here. Oh, my opponent, my worthy opponent, Zach O. Zach, how you doing? How you doing, Hat? Doing okay. Uh, I'm a little under weather. Got a bug here and there's been a snowstorm, but I'm just so excited to get back onto a podcast episode doing early impressions of the 22.2 meta because I have no idea what's going on. Um, so thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in. If you were here and listening right when the show comes out, that means it is Sunday the 30th. I'm dropping the episode at 1 o'clock Eastern time at 3.30. There's going to be a show match between me and Zacho. We're going to play Wildfire, Rune, Mage, whatever. It's a big spell, ping, whatever you want to call it. Uh, we're going to play a mirror match of that over in Clark Hellscream's channel. Check it out on Twitter. Check it out on Twitch. It's uh, We're being casted by Language Hacker and McBannerface, so that should be a lot of fun. Yeah. Um, we're back after a week's break because Hat broke. Poison Rogue it's- made Hat go away yes and now there's a new meta and yeah indeed nobody knows what's good right now and i can tell uh but that's why we're here uh we're here to tell you what's actually good and what's not so good i'm excited uh, because, i'm finding out for the first yeah. time myself i've been zach i've i've been resorting to playing hand buff paladin on the ladder hand buff paladin Really? Did you get that lost? I mean, I'm I'm beating people with it. They don't know what they're doing either. I'm seeing. I'm I'm generally seeing Twitter complaints about how people don't know what to play because it's all very confusing. Uh, yeah. I can't target anything because there's too many. I I don't know what's happening. Too many decks. Well, we talked about this in Alterac, right? Like at the beginning of Alterac, there were, what, 43 decks in that first report there? Um, we kind of have gone back to that. It was so after people... the balance patch. It yeah. was after the initial balance patch. Yeah, that was the relaunch of Alterac. Yeah, yeah. So I, I'm here to tell you I'm seeing a similar thing. Now, obviously, it happened last time it happened, uh, Poison Rogue with Knowles and Thief Rogue uh, refined to perfection and ended up killing all of this uh, field, but I'm seeing this field and even more come back up and there are a lot of viable decks, a lot of decks showing uh, competitive edge um, with a lot through a lot of classes and a lot of different play styles. And we, we got, you know, it's a big mess. So we got to talk it out and and talk about what's actually good and what's might not be so good and which decks are coming back from the dead because there are some decks that are coming back from the dead out of nowhere and and looking quite good. There were some decks that were mere shadows of their former selves. See, (laughs) do you see what I did there? You follow it? Yeah, yeah. Good one, Hat. Good one. Thank you. Um... Okay, so so let's start. So we're going to go off by class popularity at Legend is what we normally do because, you know, the more popular classes are more talked about, they attract more interest, so it's better to talk about them first, but that doesn't necessarily mean 
these classes that we start talking about are the strongest necessarily. They just have um, the most data related to them. So we'll start with Druid. Uh, Druid has been getting a lot of attention, a lot of attraction, uh, and a lot of complaints as well about how Wildheart Guff is broken or whatever, and Ram Druid is tier one, uh, best duck in the game, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And I'm, you know, I've been sitting here over the last few days and I'm looking at Ram Druid and guys, are you playing the same game I'm playing? Well, I, I think, <laughs> I think it shows that uh, it's really important to, to, like publicly available data is really important uh, to address all sorts of things. And one of the things that publicly available data will likely address is the ramp droid complaints ramp droid sucks i don't understand why you guys are going off and going crazy about this deck this deck beats nothing this deck beats wildfire mage congratulations it beats fell demon hunter those are the beats two control meta warrior. decks it beats control warrior oh, okay uh, control warrior is not a deck hat it is not a real deck when we talk about real decks... Follow Monsanto on Twitter, it's got to be real. <laughs> when we talk about real decks, Ram Druid beats Wildfire Mage, which is barely a deck, and Fell Demon Hunter, which is actually a, a deck. Other than that, there are no real decks that it beats. Maybe it's slightly favored against some fringe... You know, some fringe decks that could be good eventually. But when we talk about its matchup spread, all it suggests is this deck is wildly overplayed, wildly overrated, and nowhere near as good as it's perceived to be. There are about, I don't know, 15 decks that are better than it. It's tier 3 pretty much throughout ladder. It does not have a high skill cap because this deck is all about finding overgrowth and wild hard guff. And I think the only difference between top level players and players at low ranks when it comes to this deck is that top level players understand better that nothing really matters in the mulligan other than finding overgrowth and wild hard guff. And yes, I think a lot of the perception regarding this deck's power level is related to the games where they draw guff double overgrowth top 10 cards and they get to 10 mana when you're at five and sometimes you know when ram druid gets everything it wants its draw feels unstoppable but the big but is that hey. most of the time hey. did you hear you said the big but yeah Mo hey. most of the time it's going to die because it sucks because it doesn't work because you play a one drop and you buff it and it dies. Like, I've seen people uh, run Mulverick <laughs> in order to, oh, this is what's going to save us from Trogs, right? Uh, but it just, it uh, this deck sucks. I, I don't know what to tell you. This deck beats nothing that's relevant and popular uh, and good. 
Yeah, I'm looking at the matchup spreads here. It's not not favored against Questiom and not favored against Handlock. Obviously, the the go wide fast decks doesn't get there. Lipper and Paladin doesn't it, it really get there. It loses to aggro decks that go off early. It loses to like things like Beastrid gets completely demolished. It doesn't even win. Like its late game is not even that good because it loses to Questiamen. It loses to Handlock. It loses to loses to Quest Priest. It does. That's true. It's a hard counter. You get you get hard countered by the shard. Yeah, it's just not good. It's just not not a a, a deck that performs better. Uh, not not a deck that performs well at all at any level of play anywhere on ladder. It is. I I mean, it's not a terrible deck. It's not terrible, right? It's tier three range. Its win rate is. A, a percentage of two under 50%. That's not terrible. We're not talking about some meme garbage deck that you cannot win with. But it's just not good. Uh, and since its play rate is so high, there will be success stories, individual success cases, where sometimes this deck wins and gets somebody to high legend ranks, and they will swear that this deck is good. But this is more of a function of its popularity rather than its power. If you have a 49% win rate deck, right, that has a play rate of like 12, 13%, some people will post good results uh, with it just by chance, not related to anything else. Um, but it, the deck is just mega overrated. I think, I honestly think Ramjud is the most overrated deck I've seen over the last year. Um, I don't understand the hype. It just, like, I understand it a little bit. Again, because of the overgrowth, Wild Hargoth games, once in a while they have these these unstoppable draws. But this is not the average outcome. The average outcome that is that the Druid dies. Uh, so that's it. And it's not even, like, its late game is not even I- intimidating to the point where, like, something like Questiamen beats it pretty consistently in the late game. It just shows you that it's not all that. So, uh, yeah, Ramdruid is overrated. But is Druid overrated? No, because some Druid decks are underrated (laughs) or underplayed relative to how good they are. And I'm specifically talking about Tondruid and Beast Druid, which look very, very strong. Tier 1 contenders, for sure. A lot of it has to do with the fact that they absolutely demolish Ramdruid, and that helps their win rate a lot. But they're good decks in their own right. Uh, Tondruid is very good. In, uh, like, the, like the current meta, aggression is coming back big time. There are a lot of aggressive decks that were severely suppressed by wild panels, and now they have breathing room. Hat, you're actually allowed to play one drops in the format now because while panels aren't everywhere. And since you are allowed to play one drops in the format, that means a lot of aggressive decks are good. And Tondruid is an aggressive deck that excels in aggressive mirrors. So it's easy to understand why Tondruid would be doing well right now. Um, but Beastroid is also very good, and this is a deck that I expected to see uh, more success after the patch, even though it doesn't have a good handlock matchup. Uh, it still is very powerful against a multitude of strategies and is definitely a deck you can have a lot of success with. 
Uh, and again, if you want a free win against Ramtroid, just play one of these two decks and just laugh at your opponents as they have basically very little chance of, of beating your good to excellent draws. It's just, it's, it's pretty lopsided. So, Taunt and Beast Druid, very good. Other Druid decks don't see much play, so I'm not going to comment on them too much about in, in terms of early impression. This is mostly what you see. Uh, these are the three most popular decks within the class. And again, one is wildly overrated, and two are underplayed. Typically, the aggro decks are going to see less play because if there are a bunch of aggro decks out there, uh, people aren't too excited to play them. Uh, though Beast Druid is, is a bit of a middling ground. It's not exactly an aggro deck anymore. Uh, in in the in the way that it plays in its play pattern is it's more of a, a looking to spot power spike later with Oracle and Matriarch and Umbra All. It kind of plays a little bit differently, more slowly, but it's still a strategy that if you don't have AOE, if you don't have the ability to deplete its resources or or be able to remove waves after waves of threats that can get Arbor up, you have very little chance of beating it. So, Yeah, if Beast Druid, like, if there's a range of initiative, then Beast Druid would be right in the middle of that range. Be a middle range sort of deck. I would say so, but I, honestly, it feels more like a resource-focused deck when you, when you start uh, playing it and, and understanding how it wins. A lot of the matchups, it starts to get more of a trend towards the resource end of the spectrum, and it really yeah. doesn't prioritize uh, early board as much as, as for example, Tantra. Yeah, you does. just you just make boards forever. Uh, the main reason why I've trended towards when I want to pick a, a druid deck, the question I ask myself, I ask myself is how much quest shaman am I seeing? Because beast druid feels way better against quest shaman. Um, but the aggro druid just kind of is better at getting under decks. Uh, like if I'm running into paladins or whatever. Yeah, it's it's uh, yeah, it's it's better. It's more uh, removal resistant compared to Tantruid, but its ability to, uh, I would say, establish early given initiative is far inferior, right? Because it doesn't prioritize it as much. So uh, there will be certain matchups where the Tantruid will will do better. Um, like for example, uh, Beastruid does beat Face Hunter. It's it's it has a good matchup against Face Hunter, but Tondroid destroys Face Hunter, right? So there's that's that's a little bit of a difference. Um, but both decks are very good, and you can definitely have a lot of success with Druid, consistent success with either of these two decks. With Ram Druid, it's more of about um, the fact that it doesn't actually beat any of the popular meta decks right now. Yeah, so. I, I don't see significant justification for it. And personally, if I'm running a, any lineup for a tournament or whatever, I know right now there's not much of it. I wouldn't touch Bramp Druid at all at any level anywhere because it doesn't do anything. Like, w w what am I looking to do? Uh, counter Fell Demon Hunter, maybe? That's the only competitive role I see for it. And Fell Demon Hunter is not particularly popular, as I said. I know there have been a lot of questions about card choices in the in the Beast Root as well. I'm really curious to see what the refined list look like when we have the report next week. Because I know some people are big on Guff, and some people like the Ivis, and some people like the, the Jerry and the So. There's a lot of different variety that's being tossed around there. I mean, we'll see. Uh, but No Hands list ended up standing uh, like 
standing up to the test of time pretty well, more than I expected, because I was pretty sure that people will figure out quickly better cards, but that hasn't been the case uh, very much. So we'll see. We'll look at it again this week and, and see if there's something that's better. The meta also changed, so is significantly different so i expect to see some cards maybe that i didn't see as powerful before the patch to be more relevant now that's definitely a possibility that i wouldn't write off so we'll see but in terms of refinement uh you'll have to wait for the report because that's when we do the extensive analysis for each archetype rather than you know early impressions i just talked to you about mostly uh how the decks perform in general Okay, so after Druid, uh, I think it's time to talk about Shaman. Shaman uh, is a class that I fully expected to come back big time in this patch. And it seems like that prediction is accurate. Uh, that diverse field of Shaman decks that we saw before they were killed by the Rogue Oppression appears to be coming back in a big way. There are a lot of viable Shaman decks right now, a lot of competitive ones, a lot of decks that perform very well and i'll go through them bolner shaman got better after the patch looks pretty good um has a pretty well-rounded matchup spread it's not particularly powerful i would say i would say it's even the worst shaman might be the worst shaman decks out of them all and it's still still around the tier two range um so you can gather an impression of how good shaman is right now uh it kind of one of the shaman decks that maybe is the worst or one of the ones that doesn't perform as well against ramp druid for example so since ramp druid is very very popular boner shaman i would say isn't as good as it could be uh but it's other matchups are very close it it feels very winnable against most other things um it's very versatile uh a lot of people call it otk call it an otk deck it's nonsense it has one tool that is an otk tool that is relevant in a very specific percentage that's not particularly high of matchups uh it has a lot of other ways of winning um guardian uh macaw is a, is is one of them you have Wildpaw Caverns, you have, you know, general stalling into Brukan, so. Yeah, and you just chip people down and then just slam a Yasharaj for a bunch of damage a yeah, lot of time. Yeah, sometimes you just go Dunk Tank and you copy it with no taker and you stack Dunk Tanks and you just play Yasharaj and kill them with whatever Dunk Tanks are left. And with the Brukan Hero Power, you can get that done pretty consistently so you don't need the infinite chain. That's just like in a matchup like Paladin, that becomes relevant, right? Uh, where they have a lot of healing and sustain, and you kind of need to kill them in one turn. But in most matchups, it's it doesn't really work like that. So that's Bolner Shaman. Quest Shaman is very good. There are a lot of aggressive decks in the format right now. Whenever there's a lot of aggressive decks in the format, then Perpetual Frame becomes quite relevant. Um... Uh, I would say this deck would be tier S if it weren't for Handlock. Handlock is pretty much uh, <laughs> keeping Quest Shaman from being busted, straight up busted. Uh, the fact that, you know, Poison Rogue was nerfed was a huge boon for this archetype. And it just 
it's just really good. If you don't see a significant number of handlock, Quashaman is the best deck in the format, which is a big if, right? Because we'll talk about handlock. It's a good deck right now, and it should see a significant amount of play. It's just that Quashaman is just so dominant against everything else, which reminds me that Perpetual Flame used to be one mana. Uh, Crazy. <laughs> yeah, this card used Crazy. to be one mana. So Yeah. yeah, yeah so. So Quashaman, very, very good deck right now. Definitely, you know, borderline. I would say the meta is very flat in terms of win rates right now. It's hard to say that a deck is tier one because honestly, um, again, if if some other if, if some deck doesn't break the game like Thiefrog did uh, in the previous patch, this could be a very flat meta where there are a lot of decks that are like upper tier two and no real tier ones. It, it could be shaping up that way but quest shaman is one of the better decks in the format that's what i mean so unless handlock like really skyrockets in popularity then quest shaman is is gonna stay very very strong um and you know the matchup against handlock it's 70 30 it, it doesn't feel great but it's also not 80 20 right it's it's you win one out of three games it's not Mozaki versus Poison Rogue, right? Like, it's not that level of polarization. No, no, no. It's not that that level of polarization. It's a bad matchup, uh, but it's not crazy. Obviously, Quashaman would still lose to Poison Rogue and Mozaki Mage. Those are two other bad matchups that are not nearly as popular as they used to be, which is kind of why Quashaman is so good right now. But we'll talk about their uh, position in the meta later. Uh, but mostly what Questionman is worried about right now is handlock. If you don't see a significant number of handlock, then Questionman is nuts. Yeah, it's Questionman has been the deck that's always been a little bit more vulnerable to like from hand strategies, and they keep nerfing them. So Questionman's going to get better and better and better. Yeah, but is Questionman the best shaman deck? I'm not so mm. sure right now. Don't you dare say Evolve Shaman. If you say Evolve Shaman, I'm stopping the podcast here and deleting this episode. <laughs> I'm not, this is not going to be a, uh, an Evolve Shaman discussion. So, you know, there are, there's another Shaman deck that's very promising right now. And it, it, it might be Shaman's answer to Handlock because Boner and Quest Shaman kind of don't do particularly well against Handlock. Um, for good reason. Sometimes the handlock even started to run Showstopper in order to completely negate uh, Snowfall Guardian, which is kind of funny, but it's an interesting tech choice against Shaman. Also very good against Ivis, against those ramp druids out there. True, true. But Burn Shaman is starting to come back. Ah. I learned about this by following Orange on Twitter. I hear he has a YouTube guide coming up. You should all go subscribe to his channel. Yeah, Orange uh, had interest in, in Burn Shaman. He actually asked me about it. Um, in terms of Burn Shaman builds, uh, things might be different than they used to be pre-patch. Um, before the patch, you kind of needed to be slower or more, I don't know, minion-heavy and less removal-heavy. And things like Landslide weren't, didn't make sense back then, but since the meta is so aggressive right now, uh, I saw Orange having a lot of success with just running Zapper landslides again. And that could be the way to go if you're seeing a lot of aggressive decks right now. It really gives you the way 
you know, reset the board because Burn Shaman is not an aggressive deck, right? You're this is a very resource focused deck where you're trying to survive and stall and draw cards until you find your burn pieces and you just you can OTK decks, near OTK decks, uh from hand with like bolts and spell damage and uh, frostbites and overdraft, right? And that kind of stuff. So this deck is starting to pop up again. It's a very good against handlock. Unlike the other shaman decks, it is clearly a counter uh, to handlock. At a reliable counter, it is a very effective strategy uh, that makes handlock sweat because they really cannot heal enough uh, to you know be able to deal with with the kind of reach that the burn shaman has and unlike the other shaman decks where you're like you're kind of like bolner shaman wants to snowfall guardian and f a perpetual f freeze the handlock's board uh board its win condition is very slow and clunky right uh its win condition requires you to play like a 10 mana card and set it up before by corrupting dunk tanks and medics. Uh, Handlock often doesn't give you the time to actually execute that kind of plan. But with Burn Shaman, your, your plan is more flexible. Your pieces, your win condition pieces are cheaper and easier to execute earlier. So you don't need to do much beyond like maybe one Snowfall Guardian into a, a, into a Macaw is enough to set up the lethal for the next turns. So that that's kind of what I'm seeing. Um, so try out Burn Shaman, try out Orange's List. If you're seeing a lot of aggressive decks, then Landslides and Zappers are obviously going to be a lot better than they used to be. Uh, and yeah, I see a lot of promise in this, in this archetype, and I think it's going to come back, especially if Handlock uh, continues to look uh, as strong as it seems to be, at least. But Zach... Burn Shaman, yeah, Burn Shaman loses to Ramp Druid. Oh, yeah, it's one of the decks that actually loses to Ramp Druid because you lose to um, uh, Solar Eclipse uh, Scenarian Ward. They can armor up a lot, and that kind of counters your win condition, which, you know, shows you that some decks have strength and weaknesses. It's just that Burn Shaman hat is about... 1% of the format, uh, like its meta share is very low. It's it's around 1% of the field. While, um, you know, other decks, most other decks in the format that beat Ram Druid are far more popular. Maybe it changes. Maybe Ram Druid gets better a week or two from now when Burn Shaman becomes the premier Shaman deck. I don't know that, but what I do know is that Ram Druid right now sucks. Doesn't make sense. Yes, and... I don't foresee Burn Shaman uh, becoming the premier Shaman deck of the format, but maybe I'm wrong, and maybe Orange's channel will promote it as well as the people listening to this podcast, and everyone will catch that in interest, but we'll see what happens. I think it's going to get popular, Hat, because it's a really good answer to Handlock. Yeah, and that's fair. Effective answers to Handlock are not too common. There aren't too many of them. Yeah, and you need four of them in Conquest, so... Yeah, that is also true. I think Burn Shaman is very relevant for competitive high-level play as well as ladder. Uh, it's a deck that people right now are not noticing, but I, I expected to see more play over time because it's definitely performing. It's definitely showing a lot of promise. Um, yeah, so other Shaman decks, Elemental Shaman, uh, obviously got better. Um, I don't think need to explain too much why, because Wapanos are kind of gone. 
And if you're playing Wailing Vapor in early game, and previously you would suffer to wild panels, now you're looking better. Pretty much any aggressive deck, any initiative-focused deck that wants to develop things from turn one got better dispatch because of the nerf to wild panel, which kind of tells you how warping Null was and how oppressive it was in terms of just completely locking out early game board control and not giving a chance for any of these decks to, to really shine. So Elemental Shaman look good. Evolve Shaman doesn't see much play hat, so I'm not going to comment on it. So good. Yeah, dodge the bullet here. So that's pretty much Shaman for now. Um, very diverse class. Got a lot of options. More options that it currently maybe exhibits on letter. You're mostly seeing like Elementals, Bolner, and Quest, but mark my words, Burn Shaman is going to be a significant player. Okay, so next class. What is the next class that we're going to talk about? Oh, Hunter. Um, Hunter is actually interesting because Face Hunter, many players, you know, including myself, expected, okay, Face Hunter, other than Poison Rogue and Mozaki Mage, Face Hunter is one of those answers to Handlock. So if Handlock, if we expect Handlock to be strong post-patch, post then Face Hunter is probably going to, you know, still be tier one, right? Still going to be a tier one deck. Well, turns out, Hat, it isn't. <laughs> mm. it, it's not showing up to be the case. Well, I would say it's still its performance is still tier one through most of the ladder, but where the meta is more advanced in its development, where people are playing more of the sleeper decks that are might be very good, it's uh, declining. Its performance is declining, and it's kind of uh, you know joining that that competitive pack of decks rather than being some sort of front runner. And I would say it's not even the best aggressive deck in the format right now because what Walpa Nerf did, Walpa Null definitely beats Face Hunter. Face Hunter had an unfavorable matchup against Thief Rogue. That is true. But Face Hunter also beat Poison Rogue uh, before the patch. It was one of the counters to Poison Rogue. And what Walpa Nulls also did is it kept as the aggressive decks from being competitively viable. And some of these aggressive decks are very good in aggressive mirrors against Face Hunter. And we'll talk uh, the one that we talked about previously is Tauntruid. Tauntruid and Beastruid are very, very good against Face Hunter. And you definitely don't want to queue into them as Face Hunter. So if the balance changes end up increasing the popularity of the faster druid decks, then Face Hunter is loses ground. And there are other decks, one other particular deck we'll talk about later, that is an aggressive deck that demolishes Face Hunter. So Face Hunter is actually exposed as a deck that isn't as good at taking early board as uh, some people expected it to. And it's definitely loses some ground in the fight for early game board control. And if the face hunter doesn't seize early board control and is not capable of dealing minion based damage through its buffs, uh, doggy biscuit, ramming mount, and can't leverage that into some damage, like the reach, the off board damage that it possesses is not going to get the job done. It's not going to be enough. So Face Hunter is actually a good deck, but it's not as great as maybe you would expect it to be. Other Hunter decks, I'm not seeing enough of them really uh, 
to, to make any comment. It's mostly Face Hunter right now. We'll see if that changes. Um, but Face Hunter isn't definitely got worse um, due to the balance changes, which is interesting. Warlock. Let's get to let's get to Warlock. Wait, so no other hunter decks? No mountain bears? No, no, not really. No defending the dwarven mm, district. No. And I mean, the big beast, the big beast hunter looks might be okay. Um, I think it's possibly viable. Like again, meta share is like one percent. I'm not seeing super promising results from it, but it could be like tier two-ish or like around 50% around, uh, you know, lower ends of ladder. It's just that this deck completely disappeared higher levels of play. Like at legend and top legend, this deck kind of drops off significantly and I can't really get a, a, a read on how it does. Based on pre-patch uh, performance, I would ex- it's probably nosedives. Yeah. I mean, this is the Iron Deep Trog format, right? So, like, the deck that can't play yeah. any minions that cost less than four, probably not great in the Iron Deep Trog format. Yeah, yeah. Like, if there are a lot of aggressive decks in the format and a lot of sleeper ones as well, then you're not going to do well with the Big Beast Hunter. Oh, man. Imagine getting your Mountain Bear Najek Hexened. Oof. Oof. Had dropping hints left to, uh, left to right, but we still have two what, classes yeah, before we, we get to... We have a while before we get to Rogue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. True, true. So Warlock. Warlock is actually really interesting because Handlock uh, obviously was expected to be very powerful and is very powerful, but though it is a tier one contender, uh, I'm seeing some some ability of the format to stop it through some novel means. For example, Burn Shaman is probably going to rise in play if Handlock continues to see success, obviously Face Hunter is a challenging matchup that's going to remain prevalent um, as a way to answer the Handlock. But obviously Handlock is going to be very, very good. Um, but it's not going to be like there. I was a little bit worried about Handlock post uh, in this patch because if you look at the decks that were successful or relevant or competitive before the balance changes, Handlock's matchup spread was insane against them. But since I expect some decks like Fell Demon Hunter and Burn Shaman to come into prominence more, then I'm less concerned with this deck being like this unbeatable force that you just can't stop. So, though Handlock, I would say, is one of the best decks in the format, and it's definitely one of the top performers. Uh, maybe even the best deck right now. Um, it's there are ways to answer it, and there are decks that beat it that I expect to rise in popularity and keep it in check to some degree. But it is a very good deck. I've been playing Handlock after the patch, and I've had an insane win rate in the early days before. Maybe some of these counters are gonna start popping up. So Handlock has like a very flexible package of cards that you can change like five cards and it shouldn't hurt the deck's performance that significantly across matchups. So you can like change like five, six cards and kind of shift your attention to a different style of decks and perform better against them depending on where you are at the meta. So this is one of Handlock's uh, strength in the format right now that you can have like a disrupt- disruption package with like Altar Fires, Muteness, maybe Cult Neophytes, and then you can also have more removal with like Unstable Shadow Blast, maybe Full-Blown Evil, Mortal Coil, 
stuff like that. So it's a very flexible deck. Yep. But is that all for Warlock? Not is really, Hat. Wait a minute. No, wait it a is. minute. There's no, more. it isn't. Yeah. So beyond Handlock, I'm also starting to see Fatigue Warlock kind of coming back and seeing more play. And it's worse than Handlock. I don't think that there is significant justification to run Fatigue Warlock. I think it's kind of a way to, I don't know, people are trying to find an answer to Handlock. So they're running Fatigue. But the thing is, Fatigue Warlock doesn't really beat Handlock um, very well. So... I don't think that's a that's a great answer. It might be actually now that I think about it that people are running more fatigue warlocks to counter the aggressive decks because if you're handlock you're queuing into a face hunter then you're going to have a tough time so you switch up to fatigue warlock and fatigue warlock does much better in, in these kind of matchups where you're facing an aggressive deck that tries to race your life total and then you just plop down armor vendors and you more removal and you can really stall the game more much more effectively. So I think that's kind of a reaction that's that I'm seeing. But Fatigue Warlock is a deck that, while it does seem to be competitive again, uh, I think doesn't really outclass or doesn't look like a stronger, a generally stronger deck than Handlock. But I'm seeing owls again, Hat. Wait. Humongous Owl. Wait. No. Humongous Owl. No. Really? Really? Humongous Owl is starting to creep up, and this is like preliminary results because this this deck barely like doesn't even scrape uh 1% play rate. But based on that sample of data, I think we're gonna have owls in our future because this deck looks quite good right now. Um yeah. Owl Warlock with a 5-mana Mithril Rod, which shouldn't come as a shock to people who read the last Wild report, where Mithril Rod made it to a Tier 1 deck in Wild <laughs> in, in, in Mechathun Warlock. Mechathun Warlock in Wild looks like a very powerful deck with a 5-mana Mithril Rod, so why wouldn't he be good enough in Standard? These mana reduction cards had were just completely broken at the cards that they were printed, and even pushing them by 2 mana doesn't mean that they're not good cards anymore. So our Warlock, the thing about our Warlock that I like it, the reason why I think it's a better deck than Fatigue Warlock right now is that it's still good in the aggressive matchup, but its win condition is far more effective in a slower matchup, right? Because Fatigue Warlock, you need to draw your whole deck, you get to the Fatigue, you need to have like a like a backfire there, and, and the Fatigue damage uh, combo or TK or whatever you want to call it isn't particularly fast. But when you play... Our Warlock with Mithrobot, you can combo opponents for like 100 damage far faster than what Fatigue Warlock does. Uh, so we're seeing a similar thing that what we saw back at the start of the expansion when Our Warlock became a significant meta powerhouse and why it outclassed Fatigue Warlock. The same reasoning here is happening as well. So this deck is a significant consideration and it's hmm. a deck that looks I, I i think based on the low sample estimate that i can give is at the very least tier two if not better than that 
It's very good against Face Hunter. It's very good against aggressive decks like Beast Druid because you got tons of removal, right? You're you're I wouldn't say you dominate late game matchups because some matchups like there are some late game strategies that can definitely compete with the pace in which you can execute your win condition, especially after Mithribot got nerfed to five mana. The deck definitely is feeling it. But it's it's pretty good. Um, and, you know, Poison Rogue was a horrendous matchup that lost, like, a lot of ground, right? Poison Rogue is not as popular as it used to be. Muzaki Mitch is another bad matchup that's not as popular as it used to be. So suddenly there's space for our Warlock to, to come in and actually be relevant. So Warlock, I think, is, is showing up to be a, a bit more diverse this patch. And there's definitely more than Handlock. Uh, I would say three very competitive decks are beginning to pop up in this class. And honestly, our Warlock may, might end up being the best. I don't know. Oh, boy. This is, a, this is the timeline that I did not see coming. I'll be honest with you. I didn't anticipate this twist. Yeah. Um, I didn't expect this deck to come back, but it's coming back. And, I, you know, maybe I should have known better because when... I looked at the wild report and saw how good Mechathun Warlock is in wild with a five mana Mithrawad. Then, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, and also what makes sense here is that Owl TK is just, it's packed with removal and life gain. So when people are playing more ones and twos and whatever, you just kill them and get all your life back. It makes sense that that's good. Yeah, it's just very good in terms of survivability. It's better than Handlock, much better than Handlock in that regard because you can pack so much more removal and you're playing armor vendors as well, kind of like Fatigue Warlock. But again, the big difference is you have more late game. Your late game strategy, your late game win condition is faster to come online so you compete better against other late game strategies that win on turn such and such. You actually have a chance, a better chance to, of executing your win condition before they do. So, I don't know, small sample size. I played against three Owl Warlocks in my run with, I lost all the game. like I never beat. For me, Owl Warlock is unbeatable. Whenever I queue into this post-patch over the last week, I just lost. So, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the deck is definitely going to creep up, I think, um, and come back. Though it does have, like, it's, I don't think it's going to be, like, unstoppable. Um there are some, like it's another deck that it, it does have some answers. There are some things that you can do that obviously disrupt it. And if it ever gets popular to the point of Vipers, I don't even think that's going to happen. But, but yeah. If you missed Humongous Owl, you're going to see more of the bird again pretty soon. Well, you might see it even if you didn't miss it. I guess we'll see how popular it gets. Um, speaking of things I don't miss, Zach, can you tell us about Mozaki Mage? Please just say it's dead, please. I know it's not, just say it. We are really, really lucky. I don't know if it's lucky, but we are... Based on how Mozaki Mage is performing right now, thank God they nerfed Incantislaw. Because if they didn't, like, if there was any doubt about people, oh, why are you nerfing Flow when Mozaki Mage is tier 3 or blah, blah, blah. And I was begging Team 5 to please nerf Incantus Flow preemptively to prevent Mozaki Mage from being a, a meta powerhouse and just choking out the meta and just ruining the game again. That, that would have happened. 
Definitely would have happened. I would say Muzaki Mage with a three mana encounter slow in the current format would have been a tier one deck with like 15% plus play rate at top legend would have choked out everything. Ugh. Just hearing you say this makes me want to uninstall. Yeah, just saying it. Yeah. But the fact that they nerfed flow was was good enough because Muzaki Mage is still competitive. It's win rate is still like at legend, it still hovers around the 50% win rate mark. Maybe a top legend where people play less aggressive decks, which, you know, top legend players tend to play less aggressive decks, even when they're good, they underplay them. Muzaki Mage might be even better than that. It might be a tier two deck, even. So Muzaki Mage, it, it's just that the difference is from the before the patch is that Muzaki Mage just isn't nowhere near as popular. It's a fringe strategy that looks competitive there's a difference right between a tier two deck with a certain rune rate that has a two percent play rate versus one that has a ten percent play rate or an eight percent play rate because at a two percent play rate there's not much attention to counter it uh as there is when it's at ten percent uh and and the thing that to, that's important to keep in mind is that muzaki mage with a four mana flow is far weaker in a vacuum but what's happened is you also nerfed Poison Rogue, right? You nerfed Poison Rogue, you brought back decks from the dead. Shaman decks, Handlock. Those are decks that Mozaki Mage excels at playing against. And these decks are far more popular right now. So the field has become much more favorable to Mozaki Mage, which is why it needed to be preemptively nerfed because this was always going to happen after the nerf. Handlock was going to grow in popularity, and the Shaman decks would grow in popularity. So you had to to preemptively nerf it to prevent it from just choking out the field, because it's the field was expected to be far more generous to Mozaki Mage than it did before with all the Poison Rogues. Uh, so Mozaki Mage is still a deck that has really good matchups against anything that doesn't kill it before a turn. I would say now is seven eight because. What I did notice is that the nerf to encounter flow definitely pushed its win condition by a turn. And now its its gatekeeping capabilities are a bit weaker. And a lot of its matchups against aggressive decks got even worse. For example, its matchup against Face Hunter is now even worse than it was before, right? It started to lose to Beast Root more uh, and, and things that, you know, not are lightning fast, but still are able to exert pressure. So, when it comes to Mazaki Mage, thank God this deck was nerfed preemptively, but it's still competitive. And if you're seeing a lot of Quest Shamans, Bolner Shamans, Handlocks, that kind of meta, and you're not seeing too many Face Hunters, then Mazaki Mage can definitely abuse that kind of field and do very well. And it, it's still a very relevant deck for competitive reasons because of its matchups against those, those uh, particular three decks because those decks are... Highly valued, right? Quest Shaman is highly valued. Bolner Shaman is highly valued. Handlock is highly valued. And Mozaki Mage still gets to... Its matchups against these that got worse. But it's still well over 60% win rate against them. You're looking at 65 matchups. So maybe even 70 against some of them. Like Quest Shaman is particularly miserable against Mozaki Mage. So the deck is still quite good. Um, though I expect it to remain relatively fringe it's probably not going to see a high play rate because it's so easy to like ruthlessly counter if you want it and the nerf to flow helped it be more vulnerable to some strategies that maybe are 
a bit slower than the face hunters or the shadow priests of the world. Um, so yeah, very, very good preemptive nerf on Encantus flow. And I guarantee like if, if we didn't nerf flow this patch, um, Mozaki mage would have been unbearable, but is that all for mage? Not really, because the deck we're playing, we're going to play in the, in the money match hat wildfire mage is okay. Yeah. It is okay. It, it's it's okay. I would say it's even competitive. It's decent. Um, it, it's playable. Um, one of the things that it doesn't want to meet. This is one of the decks that loses to Ramdurin. One of the de- one of the decks that loses to Ramdurin. So if you know top legend meta is obsessed with Ramdurids and Wildfire Mage is not going to do very well there, but it does pretty well against other things. It has a pretty reasonable win rate. Um, I don't think it has particular... Like, this isn't a particular reason to play Wildfire Mage. Oh, I'm going to play Wildfire Mage because I want to beat that, right? Not really. Uh, it, it doesn't really have that going for it. But it's a deck that has okay matchups. It's win rate around, like, high end of ladder around 50%. Probably a top legend, it drops off again because of the increase in some of the matchups that it doesn't want to uh, particularly meet, but it's okay. I think Wildfire Mage is okay. It's not a good deck, but it's okay. It's not a bad deck. It's not a good deck. It's not a bad deck. It's just not. It, it's just not meme tier anymore. It's just not meme tier. I think it's it's, fine. it's a fine deck. If to, you want to play, you can, it, play it, you can win some games. It's fine. You'll lose some yeah. games, but you can win some games. Yeah. It's honestly not that bad at all uh, anymore. I, it's when rate is like, I do see signs of a dip at higher levels of play, which is matchup related mostly. But up until even at Legend, it's win rate is around 50%. So it's pretty decent. I mean, that's not bad. Probably maybe the meta becomes more ruthless. So I'm kind of putting a tax to it because I know that win rate at the beginning of the patch are always kind of inflated. So I expect it to drop off as time goes on and get worse, but it's not a tier four deck anymore. That's kind of the point that I'm trying to make. Anyway, we, we arrived to priest hat. Oh yeah. We arrived to priest. Yeah. And, um, and as we enter into this class section, our hero power turns purple. Yeah. Shadow Priest. Uh, one of the victims of Walpanos is back and back in a big way. How big is that? How big is the way in which Shadow Priest is back? Well, let me tell you, Shadow Priest is better than Face Hunter. Woo! We're back to Stormwind hat. We're back to Stormwind where I'm seeing Shadow Priest do so well that it kind of invalidates uh, Face Hunter. First of all, Shadow Priest demolishes Face Hunter again in the matchup. You're looking at 70 30. It's not even close. Like in terms of early initiative, Shadow Priest is king uh, in that matchup. So that's a problem for Face Hunter. Uh, it's also very good against Ramtruid, right? It's another aggressive deck that plays one drop, so Ramtruid just dies to it. Um, and it does pretty well 
it does better against things like Beast Droid than Face Hunter. Right? Face Hunter doesn't like to run into the, the fast Druid decks. Uh, Shadow Priest doesn't love doing that, but it does much better against like Beast Druid, Taunt Druid than f- compared to Face Hunter. Where does Face Hunter hold the advantage? The handlock matchup. Uh, Shadow Priest has a harder time uh, because it's more board reliant. So Soul Wind can can do more damage, and that matchup is closer compared to Face Hunter's really favored matchup against handlock. But in terms of math, if you math it out, Shadow Priest performs better than Face Hunter. So it's a very good deck. Tier one contender, I would say. Ugh, welcome back. Yeah, everything seems to be a contender, a tier one contender rather than tier one, because again, the meta is very flat in terms of win rate or is likely to become even flatter. So I don't wanna I don't wanna say this deck is tier one for sure after post refinement. But uh, Shadow Priest is definitely back and definitely looking good. And finally, we will have a Shadow Priest list in this week's report because you can't. Like we have data, the, the play rate of this deck is rising. Um much like interesting, much like it did during Stormwind, this this is an aggro deck that sees more play at higher levels, and I expect uh, a similar thing happening here where this deck is going to start popping off more at top legend compared to the rest of the field, rest of ladder. In, ter- in terms of other priest decks, um, I'm seeing, you know, obviously there's the quest priest, but, you know, quest priest is not tier one, guys. I was just <laughs> joking on Discord. I didn't actually mean it. For the context, for anyone... <laughs> For anyone that's out there that's not in the Vicious Syndicate Discord, there is a message that has been screenshotted uh, that of Zach saying that Quest Priest was tier one. It was a meme then. It's a meme now. It's not. It's not. No, it happens. You know why it happens? Because people ask me, what's the best deck an hour after the patch came out? So my answer would be Quest Priest is tier one. That, that's the kind of answer I'm going to give to that kind of question. Uh, so, yeah. Somebody, it's an NFT now apparently had that screenshot. So, yeah. Anyway, Quest Priest not good. Uh, no. If you want to know why, I'll tell you why. Handlock. Okay, it's good enough answer. Not great against Quest Shaman. Very poor Mozaki Mage matchup. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, it just dies. It dies. We, we, yeah. we get it. Now, Miracle Priest. Is Miracle Priest good? I think, okay, so Miracle Priest, we know, has a very high skill cap. Massive skill, gigantic skill cap. We know that. So I'm going to wait a little bit on Miracle Priest because I expect that deck's win rate to rise over time. I also am not going to comment on which variant is best uh, in a pre-patch, like in a post-patch impression first podcast. I honestly don't know what's the best approach. I'm seeing more of the Malagos variant post-patch, but that's because Jambra has been playing it and propagating it. I don't know if the rally, how the rally variant holds up compared to it, really. But based on the initial impression is that Miracle Priest is definitely in that competitive range, at least at the very highest levels of play, where it could be respectable. Maybe it nears a 50% win rate eventually, Maybe it becomes something that's definitely, uh, you know, not embarrassing to play. Uh, so we'll see. I think that Miracle Priest has a niche 
uh, in the format. It can definitely do well in some matchups. I'm just, uh, it's just hard to predict how some of it's like, how the matchup spread is going to shift around over the next week or two. And that's going to, which is going to affect how this deck performs. But I think Miracle Priest is okay. It's not the best deck. It's not the 10th best deck in the format. But I think it might be okay. So, yeah. So Priest is back. Priest is definitely back from the dead, whatever you want to call it. Uh, the class has returned and looks quite good. Rogue. What happened to the Rogue nerfs? Oh, boy. I heard some allegations that Rogue was over-nerfed. I heard allegations. What do you think? Well, I think it's it was a bit tricky, right? Because Thief Rogue and Poison Rogue were some of the strongest decks we've ever seen. And they, their oppression in the meta was just... Like, they just destroyed the meta. Uh, so I understood the context in which why they were nerfed so harshly. Uh, but the outcome is that Thief Rogue looks dead. Uh, I think that the nerf of wild WoW panels, the mana cost, as well as the attack, uh, where it's now a 3-5, was too much for it. And I think it's just, it's just dead. Uh, it still sees play because... People are saying, oh, maybe it's still good. But based on its current performance, unless it like heavily adjusts in some way that I don't expect, then it's just dead and buried. It's just gone. Poison Rogue is far weaker than it was before the patch. But funnily enough, again, because at high levels of play, people are less inclined to play aggressive decks, then it might, its win rate might reach like competitive status it just looks really bad throughout most of ladder compared to before the patch where it was a really good deck everywhere on ladder and now it's significantly weaker so we're back to like fringe poison rogue where maybe you play it at high legend to counter certain things like handlock and quest jam and such but not a significant huge meta player which is what i think team five intended it for, for it to happen so when it comes to the balance changes I would say nuking Thief Rogue out of existence isn't a super desirable outcome. I would have liked to see Thief Rogue uh, stay in the format in some capacity and maybe tone down some of the aggressive decks that remain a good answer for aggressive decks. It's just that Thief Rogue had such an insane late game combined with his insane early game that it was just too good and just choked out everyone, uh, like the entire field. It's not like I think that while Panol, if it was a, still a 4-5, then Thiefer would have remained good. I think you have a situation where this deck was very dependent on the Wapanol early game power spike as well as the absurdity of scabs. And once you nerf those two elements, it's just gone. So it's kind of the, the that meme of like, I'm nothing without Wapanol at five mana, then and the, the response is then maybe you shouldn't exist if you're that uh reliant on Wapanol. Yeah, it reminds me of all the standard Dark Lair Flesh Giant decks where like they kept nerfing Dark Lair and they were like, no, the deck's still fine. No, it's not. It was it was they, these were Dark Lair decks. No, I think the more appropriate the appropriate comparison would be Evolve Shaman, where they literally nerfed one attack on Box Bind yeah, Knuckles and, and the, killed the entire deck. Yeah, and that just the deck just ceased to function. 
Actually, very similar, yeah, because, like, the mana and the power on Noel, the two numbers there was equivalent to the one attack there because of the Dread Corsair interaction. Yeah, it's... I have played with this deck a lot because I'm on the Copium and I really want it to still be good. And it feels like it'll still be good after rotation. They did this nerf because they wanted to stick around and I could see this happening in, in whatever next year's Barons is. Uh, but as of right now, I don't have a good reason to play this deck other than because I want to. And you can do that. But boy, is it a lot worse and you feel it immediately when playing with the deck. Like you feel it right away. It's it's un, like it's when it is unplayable. It's just not... Yeah, it's not competitive at all anymore. So it's just that the thing, the good like, what it does mean though that it can get more support, maybe in a minute set, and maybe in the next expansion, and then it comes back. Uh, but it, it won't be as reliant, stupidly reliant on wild panels, uh, coming down early because that was stupid. Like we had to nerf wild panels because you had Poison Rogue playing it without any other thief card with just Maestra and tradables. Uh, th- that it was dumb. needed to be worse. It needed to be a worse card. The engine needed to be worse. The six mana had to happen. But Thief Rogue was a fun deck that was propped up by this super warped interaction. And that since they returned that to normalcy, the rest of the deck doesn't work. Yeah. So the the lesson here is that you can buff or support other aspects of the deck and maybe it becomes competitive again. But it doesn't like a deck that needs to be to, to be strong needs to have this one extremely busted card, which by the way, a lot of the hero cards are right now. And it's kind of a it's kind of a hidden problem, maybe. Maybe not so hidden by to some players, but um I would rather decks not be competitively uh, reliant on like just this one card that they draw, rather and and that card is more important than everything else in the deck. In the deck, the other the rest of the deck is just nothing, right? It, it, the rest of the deck is tier four, and this card is tier S, and that becomes tier two, tier one competitive deck because of that one card. This is an interesting uh, interesting discussion, actually, I think, because when looking at the decks we've talked about so far that are really good, most of the Tier 1 or Tier 1-ish decks in the format don't rely on the hero card because they're more well-rounded. A lot of the Tier 3, Tier 4 decks, they are super dependent on the hero card, but without the hero card, they wouldn't exist at all. You look at Guff, for example, like people are complaining about Guff, and it's a fair complaint considering like its its performance in terms of like how Ram Druid is as a deck when it draws Guff and when it doesn't draw Guff. But the thing is, without Guff, this deck just doesn't exist. And if this deck yeah. exists right now at a tier three win rate and just baits people to think it's more powerful than it is, then I think it's fine to have in a format. Like if people want to play Ram Druid and they think it's good and they they I think that's fine. Uh, for now, especially when overgrowth is rotating in April, like guff without overgrowth is <laughs> is not relevant. Like you look at Ramp Druid, that's, that entire deck is rotating. Like twenty four cards out of the thirty cards in that deck list are rotating in April. So yeah, but yeah, it's a good point. Looking over the decks that are good right now, it's really interesting to see the ones that we've talked about that are actually performing don't rely on the hero card or don't even play them because they're lower to the ground. And a lot of these other decks that are fringe or that are kind of okay, the hero card, like when you're playing Wildfire Mage, Dawn Grasp is ridiculous. You need them to be competitive, 
but without Dawngrass, there is no Wildfire Mage, and the deck is not a power level outlier. Is that a problem? I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm kind of glad that we have this diversity, even though so much of it is wrapped up in one card, and it could be a problem post-rotation. It feels bad how to play against a deck that just depended on one card, and you just lose to that one card. If if that kind of deck actually became good, the the the, the notion is the the explanation, the argument is is that these decks are a problem because if they become tier one, right, you you basically are going to constantly run into them and lose through that one card, and that's something that you have to keep in mind that maybe that kind of deck shouldn't be good or prevalent. So should we nerf Iron Deep Trog again? Um, I'm not sure what your point is. Is Iron Deep Trog that much better than any other card in an aggressive deck? It's not really the case. It's not, but there are a lot of decks that feel like they lose to just the one card. No, there is feel and that there is actual. Like you, when you lose to Ram Druid, you often just lose to Wild Hargoth. <laughs> it does mm-hmm. that. Like it's not, it's not just feeling. It's actually the case. You look at the the card's performance; it's just absolutely insane compared to every card and other card in the deck, other than maybe Overgrowth. So there is a point there, uh, but right now we're not experiencing this kind of meta. Even like you look at Handlock that yeah. plays Tamsin. Is it reliant on Tamsin? Not really. <laughs> So it's good in its own right. It, it doesn't really depend on Tams, and if and if you don't draw Tams, and then the deck just doesn't function. Ram Druid without Guff just doesn't function, right? Um, it's just nowhere near a, a competitive deck without Guff. So that's something to keep in mind. But there, there's some. There, there's a deck. We'll get to that later. There is a deck that's quite, I think, a bit of a sleeper. Uh, and is very dependent on its hero card. So there, there is some of that. We do see some of that. But anyway, um, Rogue. Other Rogue decks. So Thief and Poison are weaker. The nerfs definitely did did a number on them. Quest Rogue. Quest Rogue is okay. Um, I think it's a it's a fine deck. Um, it it's not it's not excellent. It's not. Super, uh, it's not super strong. I wouldn't say it's one of the stronger decks in the format, but it's playable. It's definitely, um, it's better without Poison Rogue being that prevalent. That's for sure. But it doesn't really, um, it doesn't really look like a deck that's going to be like one of the best performers because it does have its issues, right? Like Handlock isn't isn't a super fun matchup. Face Hunter is kind of a problem. We know that Wapanos are very good against Face Hunter, but when you don't run Wapanos, uh, you get outraced very often. So, so Quest Rogue, also something to keep in mind, it still ran Shadowcrafter Scabs, and Shadowcrafter Scabs got nerfed, so it got hit there. Um, all rogue decks got hit when Shadowcrafter Scabs was nerfed. But what could you do? You like you had to nerf Shadowcrafter Scabs. You can't leave that card alone. Uh, so rogue, I would say, is one of the weaker classes in the format right now. Hmm. Yeah. How about that? And uh, yeah. What you're gonna do? Do we have? Have we heard anything about? I've heard whispers of Garrote Rogue. Mm, no, I'm not really hearing those whispers. Mm. I'm not seeing it, Hat. Not seeing it. Which, by the, the way, Garot Rogue got nerfed again. <laughs> it did, yes. With I the tradable change. 
Oh, yeah, the, the, it got double nerfed because scabs, of course, but, you know, but the tradable change. For those that are unaware, the way tradable used to work, it would shuffle your deck and then put the tradable card on the bottom and then you would draw. Now, it randomly inserts the tradable card in any position two through the end. It can't be the top card, but it can be the second card. Anywhere randomly in the deck does not shuffle the deck and then you draw. So, if your deck is full of bleeds... The tradable card could end up being the second card you draw, and it stops your Garok chain. So it's yet another nerf due to a mechanical reimplementation of tradable, plus the scabs change. Yeah, I, I'm not seeing Garok coming back really, um, based on what I'm. No, not really. So it's probably going to have to do with Quest Rogue for now, and you know maybe Nish Poison Rogue utilization when people refuse to play aggressive decks. But other than that, yeah. So, Paladin. Paladin. Paladin is a, is a class that I expected to get worse after the Paladin changes for the simple reason that this class generally struggles against Shaman, and I expected Shaman to be good. And that seems to be indeed the case. Uh, Libin Paladin, where the meta is more advanced in development, at higher levels of play, you're looking at Legend, Top Legend, definitely got worse. Uh, it's still Paladin, so it's still going to, you know, destroy bronze level players right bronze through gold platinum paladin's very good you get to legend top legend paladin tier two maybe even worse than that right um it, it's definitely not a lip and paladin is definitely not a deck that you look at as one of the better performance in the format at the higher end of ladder because snowfall guardian wind chill those are tools that it really struggles to deal with. Like Quest Shaman is a horrible matchup. You look at Bolner Shaman, but even something like Shadow Priest, like Paladin doesn't have ways to address early game minions. Like you can't kill one drops as a Paladin unless you go first and you go Aldor Attendant into Hand of Adal and you're able to value trade. If you can't yeah. value trade your way, you're just going to get snowballed out of control. So Paladin is not even that good against some of some of the lightning fast aggressive decks. If you keep Samuro on the coin, sometimes you can get there, but like it's they're really it's it's very easy for go wide decks to get under you. Yeah, so but mostly the big issue is really Shaman. Like the success of Shaman post patch is really what's making Paladin uh suffer and generally uh across ladder you see more shamans the higher you climb, which is kind of why uh, that's happening. Shaman gets significantly more popular around the legend ranks. Anyway, so you're not going to see much changes, much development in Paladin. It's kind of a class that's uh, looking relatively stagnant. Maybe Libin Paladin adjusts some of its flex slots to, to, to combat better uh, against some of the things that it's facing. Maybe it needs to run Showstopper. I don't know how Maybe we run Showstopper. Seems kind of anti-synergistic with Librams and all the other buff cards. Yeah, that might be a problem. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, I think silencing but, all of your own buffs might be uh, a non-bow, as they call yes, it. Yes, but Showstopper Broom is kind of cute, you have to admit. It, it is adorable, like all of your tiny minions when their buffs disappear. Yeah, that's probably a problem. But I, I don't know. I don't know. There's no great answer. The, the point is there's no great answer to a high prevalence of Shaman. Yeah. So 
that's that's pretty much what Paladin has to offer. And we go into Demon Hunter. Demon Hunter is not seeing much play, mainly Fell Demon Hunter, because if there's one thing that Ram Druid beats, it's Fell Demon Hunter. If somebody asks me, what does Ram Druid beat? And I say, practically nothing. <laughs> but the one thing it beats right now that's relatively moderately popular is Fell Demon Hunter. That matchup is really, really bad for the Demon Hunter. And I think that a, a big reason why Fell Demon Hunter isn't too popular is the prevalence of Ram Druids. But as I said earlier, Ram Druid kind of sucks. It shouldn't be this popular. It should drop off in its prevalence. And when you're looking at so many aggressive decks in the format that are doing well, things like Shadow Priest and Tondruid and Face Hunter and such and such, Fell Demon Hunter is really good against them. And I can say right now that even though Ram Druid is this popular and this overplayed, Fell Demon Hunter looks like a almost a tier one contender. Despite the terrible Ram Druid matchup, Fell Demon Hunter is really strong. It demolishes Face Hunter. It demolishes Shadow Priest. It's quite good against Handlock, right? If they don't run Altar of Fire, which they shouldn't. That matchup is quite good. And, you know, Poison Rogue is far less popular. Mozaki Mage, far less popular. So suddenly, this kind of win condition that the Feldeman has, which is like ramping up into significant amount of damage through Jace or expendable uh, Dead Eye combo, that kind of win condition becomes more relevant. And it's very effective. So Fell Demon Hunter is a deck that looks quite good right now, despite the high prevalence of Ram Druid. And if Ram Druid declines to any degree, then it's only going to get better. Um, so Demon Hunter, Fell Demon Hunter might be a little bit of a sleeper here. You're seeing a lot of aggressive decks. This is the best deck in the game against aggressive decks. Like the matchups are not even close. You're looking at like 80-20 matchups against like Face Hunter, Shadow Priest. And Shadow Priest is very good right now. It's a duck that I expect to see expect to see more of over the next week or two. Um and you're not you're not losing to the Shaman decks either. The Shaman decks, it's very awkward to play into Fell Demon Hunter once you get to 10 mana. Uh around that slot. You kind of you don't want to develop minions, but if you do it like but if you don't, if you leave the board empty, then Jace just kills you. So its win condition is far more effective now. And again, its matchup against Handlock is just far better than it used to be. Uh, unless the Handlock, like, highly text disruption, you're you're looking quite good, quite comfortable there. So Fell Demon Hunter, a little bit of a sleeper. I know I said that early uh, in the last meta, and then Fell Demon Hunter got demolished by rogues. But I can only say what I'm seeing right now. And based on... The initial first week's data, Feldy Mentor looks quite good. Um, yeah. Bit of a sleeper, I would say. And you were talking about a deck that was dependent on the hero card. Oh, yeah. this boy. is where I met. This is where I oh, go. Boy. This is where I was going at. Because, uh, yeah, this is another deck, and it's a it's a better deck than Ramtroid is. Even though it loses the direct matchup, Fell Demon Hunter is stronger, far stronger against the current field. And it is a deck that's like 
is about drawing Kurtra's demon render. Very much so. Uh, it's stupidly dependent on uh, drawing uh, Kurtra's. Uh, it's stupid. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's kind of stupid. But, you know, it maybe it doesn't feel as bad as Guff because there's kind of counterplay. Maybe people... Well, first of all, it's not as popular as Ramtorid, right? People experience losing to Kurtris less, so they're going to complain less about it. The other thing is, with Kurtris, if you play Kurtris, then you're kind of signaling to the opponent of, like, be careful because my expendable combo comes online, right, at some point. And there is a way, in theory, to play around that, right? You can't play around Guff. Right, if if your opponent blooms out Guff on turn three and then ramps up, maybe draws another Overgrowth, gets to ten, eleven mana when you're at five, right? There's nothing you can do. There's no Mojo Master to save you. There's no reactivity. There is a way to play around Guff. Turn one Trog. That's how you play around Guff. Yeah, Trog on one. But but yes, you cannot undo what they do, but you cannot play minions, and then the Kurt gets worse, so then they have to kill you with Jace, which they're probably yeah. going to do, but at least you have some agency there. Yeah, there's some agency. I think a lot of it has to do with the agency, but may, make no mistake, Demon Render is an absurdly powerful card, much like other hero cards, and it's highly important for this deck strategy to work. Um, though, again, I think that it's just it's good because it's damage, right? It, like it doubles your hero power's damage and makes it impossible for your opponent to ignore anything that you do through the board. But the but the like the expendable combo doesn't actually happen that often. No. Like when people call Bolner Shaman and Fell Demon Hunter combo decks, just because they have a win condition that can deal a lot of damage to the opponent then I don't know what to tell them because this is very much mostly a defensively packed deck that destroys aggression, counters aggro decks very effectively, has tons of life gain, draw, stalling tools, AoE, removal. What else would you call it? It's just, yeah, semantics. But yeah, Feldimander, very good. If people drop the Ramdroid obsession, it becomes even better. But maybe this is the deck that's going to make Ramdroid relevant. Or it's going to make Ramdroid better, right? Because right now, Ramdroid needs to be less popular, right? And it needs to see more of its good... Like Burn Shaman, Fell Demon Hunter. If those decks rise and play, then maybe Ramdroid becomes better. But yeah. Other Demon Hunter decks, I'm not seeing much of them. I'm seeing a little bit of like the the final showdown decks, but I really can't comment on them because their sample size is too low. Okay, and I can comment yeah. on it, Zach. As someone that has not seen the data, as someone with no basis, Brood is dead. Move on. I tried. It's not good. I've tried so many times. It's bait every time. Why do you try when it's not good? Because I like Broods. Yes, but. There was a point where I told you, hey, Brood is actually okay now. You can play it, and you didn't. I don't know how you work, Hat. I don't know how you function. I saw a patch. I queued up the deck. I lost, and I deleted the deck. That's how I function. What do you want from me? I'm a weak man. I see. see. So, 
Also, Death Rattle Demon Hunter technically exists, allegedly, but I haven't seen one and we're not going to. Okay. Warrior. Hmm. Hmm. High toilet cap hat. So, we start with Quest Warrior. I guess we start with Quest Warrior. This deck didn't see play at Legend before, and it's seeing less play now. Uh, yeah. Quest Warrior is garbage. <laughs> it's so bad. Um, but yeah, it's just weaker across the board. It's, um... The, the 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 difference is I think the the what the balance changes did is that it's not even good, uh, like I would say, it's not even good at platinum, like it's it's not even a good deck. I think that Quest Warrior is still good at the bronze through gold range, but the nerf made it so much worse across the board that at this point. Even if you're playing a diamond to de- towards, and we're talking about end of the month, we're at the end of the month. It's still not good at these ranks, so it's no longer like, oh, Quest Warrior is really good up to Legend, and then it drops off, and a top Legend becomes unplayable. The drop off starts around Platinum, and at top Legend, this deck is just forget about it. It's like tier five. It's just dead. So the bronze players, they're still going to queue into Quest Warrior and they're still going to lose. Maybe a little bit less. Maybe Quest Warrior is a little bit worse at that these ranks. But the deck is still very good at these ranks. You didn't actually change that aspect. Well, they nerfed the play rate. This is the same thing that we've seen them do before. When they nerfed the legendary, they nerfed the play rate because people dust it. Maybe, I guess. I guess that's a that is a good point. But yeah, if you actually want to climb ladder, forget about the stack. It's just not. If you want to climb ladder, cash in on that refund dust. Go craft yeah, something yeah. else. Yeah, it's just not. It's just not good. Um, control warrior. So, I saw some tweets about control warrior coming back and. With a list that runs Acidic Swampoos hat. Acidic Swampoos. My understanding is that is that you have to play Ooze so you don't Nizoth back your Viper. <laughs> I almost got through that sentence without laughing. I almost did. I tried really hard. I mean, yeah, of course. You run Ooze because you don't want to dilute your reliable win condition of Nizoth, God of the Deep. <laughs> <laughs> What the hell are you doing, guys? What the hell is this? What the hell is this? Really? Oh, okay. By the way, this deck doesn't just have Nazoth. It also runs the Silas OTK with Solbong Ashtung. So this deck, it's like Boner Shaman Hat. Think about it. It wins through multiple ways. You can have, have Nazoth route. Yeah. It has the Nazoth route, but it also has an OTK route. Which actually means, since it has an OTK route, based based on what I'm like reading from people, is no longer control. It's not actually control warrior. It's a uh, Silas OTK warrior, right? It, it, it's Silas I, OTK. I feel like I'm supposed to play along here, but I'm just looking at this deck list. What happened? By the way, it's from Ostinato, rank one legend. Rank one legend. 
That tells you all you need to know about Rank 1 Legend Deck's first day of the patch. Oh, boy. Yeah, don't play this. This was a day and a half into the patch. This was 36 hours later. Mm, yeah. Impressive. I'm impressed. impressed. Guy was a two number two legend. Queued up 10 games, happened to run into a bunch of face hunter, got number one legend, posted the deck list. And now we have the return of Control Warrior. No, we don't have the return of Control Warrior because this deck is like tier 17. Forget about it. Guys, it runs ooze. It doesn't run Viper because we don't want to dilute God of the Deep. Oof. I played against this deck once. And I mutinous their uh their headmaster Kelthazad. Yes, headmaster <laughs> Kelthazad. You just keep saying things and I have no idea where this is going. This is my favorite part of the post patch that like you just say cards that aren't really cards. I don't. Oh God! But you know this. This is really a good. This deck hit number one legend apparently. Hit number one legend, which tells you guys what you need to be wary of when you see number one legend deck list. They're always like this. One day, two days after the patch means nothing. Control Warrior is not back. The deck is utter garbage. It doesn't work. At all. And if it did work, it would definitely not work thanks to God of the Deep, Soulbong, Ashdung, and an Acidic Swamp Ooze. Just forget. Why are we even running Ooze? What what is there? What what weapons do we even want to destroy? Oh, I know. Brune Mithra Rod from the 1% play rate, our warlocks. This guy was ahead of it ahead of his time. Okay. So that does it. Uh, Warrior is not a class. Needs help in the mini set. If you want to know what it needs, it needs draw. That's what it needs. Control Warrior for it to be viable, for it to be able to consistently execute some of the available win conditions to it, needs more draw. Right now, it doesn't have that. So that's the main problem. And that's it. Lots of uh, meta diversity, blah, blah, blah. I know it's uh, kind of becoming a meme, but the meta is actually quite diverse right now. Hopefully nothing comes in that, you know, refines into a ruthless meta tyrant that just destroys everything. If the current uh, trajectory of the meta stays the way it is, we're going to have a lot of decks to choose from to the point where it's a big headache where we don't know what to even target because things are going to ebb and flow pretty significantly. Yeah, like but, for a uh, meta tyrant to sneak up, you'd have to be good against so many different strategies because you can kind of do whatever you want right now. Yeah, yeah. The thing is about Rogue is that, again, it dominated early game and the late game so ridiculously so that it really didn't allow the meta to breathe. But now you're seeing late game strategies coming back into the forefront. You're seeing early game strategies, lots of initiative-focused decks that were destroyed by Wapanol. So you're seeing aggro decks, you're seeing control decks. Yes, I said that word. You're actually seeing control decks in the format right now. And there's a lot of in-between. There's a lot of different play styles. And it's hard to play one deck that just beats everything because truthfully, there isn't. Everybody wants to find that one deck that just beats everything and 
then doesn't also doesn't see play only played by these specific people that want an answer to everything. The truth is, there isn't an answer to everything, and that's the way it should be, right? And if we complain about the fact that we can't target things effectively because the meta is unpredictable, isn't that a good thing? I I last think time so. I checked, that's supposed to be a good thing. Yeah, I mean it's. The the feeling I have right now when I'm queuing up is like I'm I'm playing goofy hand buff paladin list right now. I'm looking for something that's a little bit more fresh. We have variety right now, but I don't feel like there are a lot of decks that are really new and novel and exciting. So I'm really hopeful for the mini set coming up soon. I'm hoping it's February eighth. Uh, if it's not that week, then it probably won't be till after the Masters Tour, which is February eighteenth. Which means we probably won't see it for another, gosh, three weeks. So I'm hopeful it's next week. So when I queue up, I can see a wide variety of decks, but I it's a lot of stuff that we've seen before in last meta or this one or whatever. I, I agree with this sentiment. A lot of the decks feel like they're kind of decks that we had before and they just slapped a, a hero card on top of them, right? Uh, you're not seeing a lot of novelty. Like Beast Druid is one of those novelties. Ram Druid is another one of those, those novelties. But again... The deck isn't actually that great. Um, Bolner Shaman actually had... There's, there's plenty of new decks in Alterac Valley. There, there are. It's been a couple of months. Also, I'm going to say Snowfall Guardian, that experience gets old pretty quick. Yeah, yeah. I mean, true. But, you know, people are seeing like Face Hunter and Handlock. We see, we've been there before. And like Quest Shaman, we've been there before. And now Shadow Priest is coming back. We've been there before. But it's kind of... Like, third set of the rotational year is often like that. It's very hard to push out all the established decks from the previous two expansions that developed over the previous two expansions from the format. I mean, we saw it in KNC. Hold on, Zach, I'm going to correct you. It's not hard to do that. We don't want them to do that because that means printing a bunch of Galakrons or Kobold Librarian, and you don't want either of those worlds. This is probably better, but also it's okay to feel a little bit of fatigue right now because we got Roguestone undone, and now we're just kind of back to like some Alterac stuff, some Stormwindy stuff, and then, I don't know, hopefully the mini set will give us some variety in the, what, the two months we have before rotation. Yeah. But, again, it's kind of like we have variety right now. I think people are maybe underestimating some of the variety that that is available in the format because there are a lot of decks that don't see much play but are pretty good. So I, I don't think we can judge it, judge things right now because... Um, there's there's there are a lot of options. There are a lot of decks to choose from. Um, it just, I think people are maybe fatigued by the rogue uh, meta, right? We've had three weeks or so four weeks of rogue being ridiculous, and uh, but we can't really judge this format right now before things really settle down and we get to know what what what's actually good. I mean, the most popular complaint over the last week has been about Wild Heart Guff. I mean, what? <laughs> you know, it's like it's it, it just doesn't align with what's actually happening. If if that's the biggest problem we have right now, I think we're doing okay. Yeah, that's what that's kind of what I mean. If if that's the biggest issue we have, then we're in pretty good shape. But yeah, I agree. Like in terms of freshness, like seeing Handlock do so well 
with basically 29 cards that I had before and then slaps a Dreadlich Tamsin on top of it. Or like Quesh Emin looking pretty much the same or Face Hunter being the same. Like Face Hunter has been meta for like two years. I mean, give it a break already, right? I'm kind of fatigued by Face Hunter being a, a prominent meta competitor while other Hunter decks are just not relevant. No, we've had a lot of variety there. We switched from Phase Stalker Face Hunter to Trampling Rhino Face Hunter. Those are totally different. Yeah, I mean, Face Hunter has been meta since Descent of Dragons. It's been two years and two rotations. Like, that's kind of crazy. But the good news is, like, when you're looking at Handlock, people are worried Demon Seed quest lines are going to continue to push out slower strategies forever and ever. This deck is losing Raise Dead, Flesh Giant, and Backfire. Demon Seed is not going to be relevant in April. I almost 100% guaranteed, unless it, unless Warlock gets like a self-damage set at the level of like KNC, like Demon Seed is not going to be relevant post-rotation. Forget about it. That's... Maybe they can bring back, they can bring back the Witchwood self-damage cards, get some Blood Witches in there, 4 mana 3-6, <laughs> take 1 in your upkeep. Yeah, I mean, people need to pay attention to what's actually rotating. Uh, rotation is gonna hit, be a huge thing, but hopefully the mini set will will give us some other, you know, new wrinkles, maybe new strategies, some novel things to play with that kind of will drown out some of the thing, the established things that maybe people are getting kind of tired of. I mean, Libum Paladin, Libum Package, like, is a good example. I think it's a fantastically well-designed package of cards. I think it served its purpose really well for Paladin. It gave it great flavor. It gave it a, a really uh, a, a late-game strategy, a plan that felt good, that felt like you were actually playing Paladin, and it was cool. But it's been two years of Librams, right? This set has It's two years of Librum, and credit to the Librum package, Two years later, like I, I like try to imagine other components of the meta in the past being two years in the format. Like imagine Zephyrus being in the format for two years. People were probably going to get so sick of that card at some point. But Librams, their staying power in terms of not making people get utterly sick of them is 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 a point of praise. But it's still been two years of Librams, so it's time for them to go. But it's been okay the whole time. It's been okay. It's been okay the whole time. I think there was one point where it was penflinger stuff that was a that got a bit too overbearing. A couple points. There were a couple points. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like as Scolo and uh, and Barons, uh, the first couple weeks there was like a nice send off to penflinger. Um, but yeah, it's overall in, in terms of of just like design awards libram should absolutely absolutely win whatever they have they made paladin interesting they were cool they stuck around for a while uh and even when they were the best deck remember we talked to uh, talked to alec about this that when highlander hunter was the best deck but was like had an eight percent play rate they should have just probably left it where it was that's what they did with librams play rate stayed steady the whole time they didn't do anything they're just like as long as it's not broken we're just gonna leave it I mean, they did nerf Paladin this expansion, but uh, I would say they made a light nerf. So, what did uh, they nerf? Is... Oh yeah, Alliance Bannerman one health was that it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was. It. I legitimately forgot about that, but Bannerman does feel natural as a two one. I think that's the right stat line, but I did forget about that nerf. Yeah, 
But the bottom line is, current format looks pretty diverse. Again, unless some some thief rogue like deck comes in and kills everything uh, over refinement, uh, you're gonna see you're gonna have a lot of options in the format. And if you're a bit worn out by some of the decks that you know have been popular over the past few months, continuing to be good like handlock and stuff, those decks are rotating out big time in April. They're just done. And we have a mini set left over, so we're not gonna get overly bored. Lightning Bloom is gone. Like yeah. people, well, yeah, Quest people like Lightning, Quest Shaman without Lightning Bloom, <laughs> that's not even gonna work. And without like, guidance, uh, um, without guidance is a huge deal. Yeah. So people are underestimating how much rotation is gonna do. Yeah. Uh, Rogue without Secret Passage or Prize Plunder or Brain Freeze or Wand Thief or Swindle. I mean, Rogue, if, if Rogue doesn't get a good set in April, it might actually be dumpster tier. Yeah. Like, they might have to keep Shadow Step to make it even playable. If they lose Shadow Step, they, get, they better get a really good set because they're losing everything. Yeah. Druid, I, I, I think, you know what? Maybe Monk is coming in April and the Druid class in its entirety just rotates because that's <laughs> what it feels like. It it keeps the low stuff except for Arbor Up. It keeps all the other low stuff like you except keep, uh, the Arbor Up hat, except okay. the one card that makes the low cost stuff even viable. We like keep the composting. entire druid class is rotating in April. We keep composting. It's fine. They'll figure it out. Maybe oh, they'll reprint fine. Savage or I don't know. What do you, what do you want? It's we're we're losing a, the context of a, one of the most impactful standard years ever with the yes, year. Yes, but the apparently, hat quest lines are going to continue to be a problem for the next year or so. Apparently, Zach, cutting such you a off. Nonsense. Cutting you off. Such, we have had too many quests. Nonsense. We have too many podcasts that end with us crapping on people that don't like quest lines. All we can say is, a lot's going to change in the next couple months. We're hopeful the mini set doesn't. For sure, rotation will do it. We'll see where it lands us. Until then, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Go tune in to Clark's channel over on twitch.tv slash Clark Hellscream so you can watch me and Zach play. We're playing for Shoes That Fit, which is a charity that gets shoes for uh, for children that don't have access to them because every child deserves them. And so that's the charity we're playing for. If you donate, you can also help us uh, increase the donation that we get going there. Thank you so much to everyone that supports the show, VS Gold members, Patreon members, everyone who subbed and supported this week. Evil Dave, thank you so much for the podcast transcriptions. You can look forward to our next report next week on Thursday, the 3rd of February. The podcast should be on Saturday the 5th as scheduled. And Steven Sensei, you the real MVP. Thank you so much for the intro and outro. We'll talk to you all soon. The Data Reaper podcast is an official production of Vicious Syndicate. Don't forget to sign up and contribute your game data to improve the quality of the weekly Data Reaper report. Instructions are available on our website, along with lots of other weekly content at viciousyndicate.com. Thank you to all of our patrons and data contributors for proving their strength in numbers.